Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's going on here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. Good morning. I am so glad to see you here this morning. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'm Mary Walls, the Community Life Pastor here at the Met, and I wanna take a second to thank Pastor Bill for what he has done for this church this last year. I know you guys have been the beneficiary of that as well. He has led us, it's been an incredible year for our church, and with the loss of his sweet wife, Cindy, he has continued to lead us, to push forward, to be transparent with our church. He has just been a light, and I Now, those of you online, we have heard from all of you of how much he's touched your life by encouraging you to stay strong in your faith. And we are just so honored as a church family and as a church staff um, to get to walk alongside him with this. So we're so thankful for that. So with Christmas behind us, are you guys so excited of the new year? We have so much to look forward to, but I bet you like me are a little tired. That's why y'all are here at this service, right? You got to sleep in just a little bit because we've done a lot of cooking and cleaning and wrapping and cleaning and all the things that that come along with Christmas. So I bet you, like me right now, are wondering the burning question, here it is, what were the top gifts for 2019? You guys with me, inquiring minds wanna know, USA Today, let us know. So I want you to raise your hand, we're gonna go along with their poll, I'm gonna tell you the top five, and starting with number five, and you tell me if you got this, okay? Number five was the weighted blanket. Y'all got one. Lots of people got one. Well, let me tell you what they're saying about it. It helps you sleep. It also helps calm anxiety. And if you have a dog like I do who is scared to death of the rain, which today would have been a good day, um, you just wrap them up in it and it all goes away. So glad you guys got that. All right, number four. A gaming experience, specifically the highest one was Nintendo Switch. Yep, a few of those as well. All right, number three. Wireless earbuds, the highest selling were the new Apple AirPods Pro. Anybody get any earbuds? Yes, yes. All right, number two, this is my personal favorite because I'm a clean freak, okay? It's something to do with cleaning. Can you guess what it is? Robot vacuum, you got it. That is it. And they were all big sellers. That, that's always a good way to go. All right, the number one, second year in a row. Anybody got an idea? It's the Instant Pot. Yep. Some people said they got two now. Okay, so it's, it's the, I say it's the Millennial Crock Pot because they are so impatient, right? It's got to like be done instantly. That's what, that's what the Instant Pot is. I have one. I love it too. Um, it's an awesome thing. So as we look back, we all worked really hard to give the perfect gift for 2019. I know that you did. So what I'm going to challenge you for today is to give yourself the perfect gift in 2020. As we move forward in the new year, and I'm suggesting that you give a direction in your life to yourself. We're gonna talk a little bit about that today. Instead of a New Year's resolution, remember last year we all did a word, we picked this word for the year. All the commitments and the promises and all the things that we make on January 1, statistics show by Valentine's Day, they're gone. So instead of doing that, I'm thinking, we just start with a direction. It's kind of hard to go with a direction, right? You, you, you can lay it out, but you can keep recharting your course throughout the year. 
The reason I think you should set a direction and it be God-centered is because your direction determines your destination. So it's important for us to, to do this and to understand really the validity of this. And I'm gonna illustrate this with my dad. My dad illustrated this in my life. More than anyone I know, we're gonna show you a picture here and introduce you to my daddy, Cal Hedgepeth. This is when he was in the Air Force. And my dad, we lost my dad a few years ago, but I say, he, and my mom's here today somewhere. I don't know where you are, mama, but I'll say. Um, he and my mom were probably the most influential people in my entire life. And I know many of you would say that as well. The person who spent the most time for you in your formative years helping point you in the direction that you should go as well. And my daddy had a clear direction for his life and he knew a destination that he wanted to go and he worked really hard to do that. My dad always had a love for aviation and he knew as a young boy, he grew up in a really small town in Texas in a very poor family. His mother was a school teacher his entire life. His daddy was a World War II vet um, and actually when he came home wasn't much involved in my dad's life. So he had figured out early on if he was gonna get to do anything with this, he was gonna have to do it on his own. So that was the kind of man that my daddy was. So he decided he was gonna need to go into the Air Force. So he and my mother got married in March of their senior year. I'm not advocating this. If there's any seniors here, this is not a good idea. Although it worked for them. They stayed married for 50-something years. And um, so they got married in March because they knew when they graduated from high school at the end of May, my daddy was gonna leave and go into the Air Force, so they were gonna get to spend a little bit of time together, so that's what they did. My dad went into the Air Force and got to go to some amazing places and some scary places. I have a, a great picture, I wanted to show it, but they were saying it's too fuzzy of my daddy standing on the 38th parallel between North and South Korea. Just some great things he got to do with the Korean War. Mom was telling me this morning he was supposed to come home and then the Cuban Missile Crisis hit and he got extended and all of these things that happen for our veterans, we're so thankful for you and what you have done for our country and my daddy was one of those. So when he got out, he continued his love for aviation. He was an air traffic controller in the Air Force, got to do it here and he actually was in Fort Worth Center. For those of you who are familiar with the air traffic world, I'm in this area for most of my life. He also was an instructor, he was a supervisor, he was an inspector, he did all sorts of things with aviation, that was my dad. Um, and he also got to fulfill his dream of owning his own small plane, which was a Beechcraft Bonanza that we got to take a lot of trips in growing up. And my dad um, was very serious when he was in his plane. It's not like the commercial ones, right? Us three kids are in the back and you're seeing everything that was going on as he was flying and my mama was the co-pilot. I don't know how that was, mom. I guess she knew a little bit to help him out, who knows? Um, but my dad really understood this whole direction thing and us getting to our destination. So he studied the maps. He knew the latitude and the longitude as we were flying to be sure that we stayed on our flight path. He observed the gauges to make sure that we were headed in the right direction and he watched the altimeter. He was sure that we were at the right altitude. He watched our airspeed indicator to be sure we're going the right speed that we were supposed to be. And he watched the magnetic indicator, which is the compass, to be sure that we were going in the right direction. And we always ended up at the right destination and on time. Because if you knew it, my dad, he was an on-time machine, we were on time. If we weren't on time, he was yelling, we needed to be on time. Did you guys have 
a dad like that. I always say I think God put me in his life just to help loosen him up a little bit. Um, it's actually one of, Derek was in the last service and I was saying, this is one of my things. I think I'm doing okay at being on time. And he said, no. I said, I am. I think I can improve. It's one of the things that I do want to work on for 2020. Work on that. But even outside of flying, my dad knew that your direction was really important where you were gonna go. So as we were growing up, he was talking about, hey, what do you wanna do with your life? Hey, what's your goal? What's your plan? Let's work the plan. Let's get the goal. Let's go where we want to go. Because he knew in flying and in life that your direction is gonna, gonna determine your destination. So 2020 is upon us. It is here. It's exciting because it's a new year, but we get to say something we only get to say every 10 years, which is it's a new decade. So pressure's on for us to do something really memorable this year, for us to chart something a little bit different in our lives. And I believe it's going to be charting our direction towards God. So we're gonna talk about three ways to do that today. Number one is believe that God knows what is best for you. It's kind of imperative that you know that because you're not gonna really listen to what God's saying and you're not gonna wanna be in his direction if you don't really think that it is best for you. So in case you're wondering, I'll tell you a couple of things um, that will help you believe that is to know that God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He knows every single thing. From beginning of time till the end of time, God knows it all. He has the capability to know all of that. He's omnipresent. He is everywhere all at the same time. That kind of hurts my head. How about you? We can't even fathom it. That's how much he is above us. He's omnipotent. He has the power to do anything that he wants to do at any time. So because of that, we can trust him. We can trust since he knows stuff that we don't know that he has the best intended for us. The creator of the universe knows you by name. The millions and millions and millions of people, he knows you by name. He's big enough to breathe out stars and planets and yet intricate enough to fashion together the trillions of cells that make up who you are. The God who made the universe made you and knows everything about you. Scripture says he knew you from the moment that you were conceived in your mother's womb. He knows the number of hairs on your head. Scripture also says that he has kept every tear that you have cried from the smallest molecule to the Situation you find yourself in right now, God is aware. He knows everything about you. And he, believe me, he knows what is best for you. But it's one thing for us to know who God is and to know those things about him and to believe that he has the best for us. And it's another thing to live it. Because we are all human people, honestly. We don't want anybody telling us what to do, right? So we struggle a little bit with that. Let's be honest, with our human self. But here's what God does. When we do something, and if we're not in his direction and where he wants us to be, we have this thing. It's guilt in the church world. We call it conviction that God says, hey, I don't think this is probably the best thing for you. Sometimes we listen. Hopefully, most of the time we listen. But sometimes in our human self, we say, you know what, God? I think it's really gonna be okay if I watch this, if I listen to this. If I sit with somebody I shouldn't be, I know I'm married, God, it's just a conversation. I don't think this is a big deal. We're getting that guilt in our stomach. But here is the thing about God. He lets us choose if we wanna follow him or not. 
If I were God, which I'm not, but if I set this thing up because I'm a control freak, I would have said, here's how everybody's gonna do it because I wanna be sure that you're all perfectly safe. I wanna be sure you never make a bad decision and you never have to suffer. I wanna be sure that you are pointing the direction to get to your destination and then everything would have been great, but there would be no free will with that. So what God said is, I'm gonna keep pointing you, but you get to decide how you want to live your life. So there's beauty in that, and there's grace in that, but there's suffering, and there's hard times in that. But the interesting thing is, when we continue to ignore that conviction, something happens. Our hearts become hard. That soft voice, God is still speaking to us, but what happens is, we start not being able to hear it anymore. We call it spiritual sensitivity when we lose that ability to hear what God wants to say to us. And when we ignore him, we're on dangerous ground because we may be thinking, hey, I'm just gonna have this thing over here that I'm gonna ignore him about, but I'm gonna, God, I'm listening to you in every other part of my life, but it doesn't work that way. We have to give God all of our life, all of our heart to be able to continue to hear him. So sometimes as we're trying to decide our direction and we're trying to decide the path we need to take, sometimes we just don't know. It's, I, I don't really know. So what Jesus did in the Sermon on the Mount is he said, I'm gonna lay out a whole bunch of stuff for you guys so you know exactly what God's thoughts are on this. So I love the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of Jesus' biggest sermons. Theologians say it was over three days. Can you imagine sitting here for three days? That would be a lot. No, we're not gonna do it. That would be a lot of fun. But that's what they did because they were so hungry to hear him. So they were on the side of a mountain so the Sermon on the Mount, and they were listening to Jesus, and here's some things he taught them for their, I think it's kind of like their life map. I'm not gonna read them all, but just a few of them are. He talked about anger, lust, divorce, keeping vows, revenge, loving enemies, being generous people, how to pray, how to fast. He taught about money, using it to specifically invest in God's kingdom. He talked about worry and judging others, about seeking God, how to get to heaven, and a whole lot more. It's a great read. It's, the, it's three chapters in Matthew, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. But at the very end of chapter 7, what I want to look at today, he talked about how to build your life on a solid foundation. So read this with me. Chap, chapter 7, verse 24, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock meaning to live our lives on Jesus' teaching, that's the solid rock. Though the rain comes down in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who, who builds a house on sand and when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Derek and I built a house this last year. If you've ever built a house before, are you feeling my pain? It was a rough year. Um, lots of things don't go your way. Lots of things mess up. God was just teaching us all kinds of patience. And I am a pastor and my email is metchurch.com. So everybody I call, anybody I talk to and they're like, what's your email? I'm like, oh, I should have been nicer to those people. Um, but... This foundation thing was a huge thing. And we're, we're near the lake, so there's a lot of springs running up below us. So as the engineers came out and looked at everything, they said, okay, you're gonna need 36 piers on this foundation. And they're gonna go 
15 feet deep, which is concrete, they poured all the way down and they're 16 inches wide. So when the rains come, y'all remember that song, when the rains came down and the floods came up, we did not want our house going crash. So we were sure that we had a really solid foundation. That's what Jesus is talking about here. What are, what are your peers? What are the things that you have drilled down in the foundation of your life they are gonna help you withstand the storms of life because they are coming. We live in a fallen world and these storms are coming. People are gonna betray you. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe somebody's gonna walk out on you or has that you were not expecting or, or you got a horrible diagnosis that you weren't expecting or a or financial, we, we all saw that in 2008, right? When the whole system all went a little bit crazy and we all lost a lot of money. The storms are coming, and if you do not have a bedrock, you don't have this within you of who God's word says you are, where he says you want to go, you will not make it through the stands, the hard times that are gonna come ahead for you. What's interesting in this is Jesus is comparing two. It's interesting because they're both building a house, they both hear his teaching, they both go through storms, but they have a different reaction to them. But, so what I wanna keep that in mind, because as we go through the rest of our time today, we're gonna talk about three things that we can do to keep us going in the right direction, three things that we can do to be sure that we're building on the rock and that we're not building on the sand. So number one is, remember we talked about that, believe that God knows what's best for you. Number two is develop God's character in you. The Apostle Paul gave us some instructions on this. Let's look at Romans 12, one and two. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. We still have that today, right? But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. I want you to catch that. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So Paul's clear. The vehicle for change here is the renewal of the mind, renewing our mind. We have a yearly discipleship course here at the Met called LEAD. This summer we started our second one. It's a year commitment. We have um, lots of groups that have started and what they commit to is they commit to meeting once a month for three hours. They commit before they come to having read a book, memorizing a verse, they answer some questions, that when they get together with the group of about eight people who really get to know them over a year, who are gonna challenge them to have God's character in their life, who are gonna challenge them to live the way that God has called them to live, and our book we're reading right now, and it's our favorite book, and it's called Louder Than Words by Andy Stanley. And so far, everyone says, ah, this is my favorite book. I never really thought of some of the things that he's talked about on how to get character. But Andy defines character as the will to do what is right as defined by God, regardless of the personal cost. So he's saying to do what God's telling you to do, regardless of what this might mean in your personal life. He talks about living a life of uncompromised living I wanna read a couple of paragraphs to you from, from this chapter, here we are. All right, it says, 
If you are serious about becoming a man or a woman of character, and I think each of you are in this room, he says, you must become intentional about renewing your mind. If you're not consciously attempting to renew your mind, you're not being proactive in your pursuit of character. Renewal is our part in the process. It is our way of working with the Holy Spirit as he molds and shapes us into the image of our Savior. It is the most significant thing we can do to develop our character. You can spend the rest of your life making promises, filling out commitment cards, talking to counselors, but Paul's words are clear. Unless you renew your mind, you won't be transformed. The things will stay pretty much as they are, day after day, week after week, year after year. Yes, you will go to heaven when you die, but in the meantime, you will not experience anything very abundant in this life. And he closes with this. The renewal, the wisdom, and the truth of God become the foundation of our thinking. And eventually, our behavior over time is renewed and our mind results in a transformed life. Unless you're engaged in the process of renewing your mind, there will be no lasting improvement. Being a Christian doesn't guarantee change. Being a Christian doesn't guarantee character. Only a renewed mind does. Very interesting, isn't it? Lasting improvement is what we're after. We all want God's character. We know this is a good thing. You know somebody like that. You know somebody that when you're with them that they're a safe place. You know they can be trusted. You know they're honest. But there's also something magnetic about them that just draws you to them. You know the person who stands up for those being talked about and doesn't join in? Or the person who owns up to their own mistakes without blaming someone else? Or the girl or the guy who says positive things about their spouse when they're not present? The person who gets too much change at the grocery store and gives it back? The humble person who doesn't take credit for something he did but elevates the whole team? Those are the kind of people that we wanna be. They're rare, but God is calling us to be that kind of person. So I have a big question for you in 2020. Is your character growing or shrinking? Because honestly, it's doing one or the other. We don't get to just stand in the middle. So either we're learning God's word, we're pressing into him, we're doing the things that he's called us to do, or we're listening to the lies of the world, things that are gonna, think, we think they're gonna make us happy, things we're sacrificing for that are pulling us away from God. I believe if you will focus on getting your character aligned with God's, it will make you an incredible person, yes. But I think it's gonna affect your family. I think your marriage will be better. And ultimately, I think our church will be better because all of our people will be on the same page seeking what God has for those around us. So I've been thinking about what we can do together and I have a challenge for you. So in the first two weeks of January, beginning January 1 to January 14th, I'm gonna challenge you to read Louder Than Words with us. We're gonna read a chapter a day. There's 14 chapters. It's like 15 or 20 minutes a day. I know it's a sacrifice for you. Just don't get on social media for a day or watch the news or whatever it might be. This is your time to press in and grow your character. So we've made it easy for you. We're selling the books out in the lobby. You can buy them on Amazon. Or if you have the Church Center app, you can just open that. I made it the very first event. You can just click on it and buy it and just walk out there and show it to them. 
and they'll give you your book. But along with that, we're also gonna invite you to join our devotional group. So every morning for the 14 days, you're gonna get a devotional from us that's gonna encourage you to read your chapters today and you're gonna text louder to 97,000. You're gonna join a group. We're gonna be able to contact you and encourage you. Here's what I know for sure. Character doesn't happen accidentally. You're gonna have to put some effort into it. This is your opportunity for us to be together for the next 14 days and grow in our care together. We're all in this together with you. And at the end of the two weeks, I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear what God has pressed on your heart with your character, the things that you're gonna work on, what this is gonna mean for your 2020. You can email me, you can text me, you can go on my Facebook page and let me know because I really think God has great things planned for 2020. It's a new decade. This is the year. So remember, the number one way to head in God's direction for 2020 is to believe that God knows what's best for you. We're ready with that one. We're gonna develop God's character. We know that. Number three is trust God can change your habits. This is a big part of your character, but it's a big part of your daily life. We all have habits every single day. We get up, we put our shoes on, all the things that we have to do, brush our teeth, eat breakfast, let the dog out. I'm not sure what it all is for you. Hundreds of habits, right, that we do throughout the day. Let's be sure that some of them are God-focused, that some of them are helping us grow in our relationship with God. Like maybe it's every morning reading five to 10 minutes of God's word. It doesn't sound like very much. And for you overachievers, you're going, I can't do that. I'm gonna do 30 minutes. Well, let's just start small because small habits over time produce great things. It's the consistency that's gonna matter. And as you are reading God's word, you're renewing your mind. This is exactly what we were talking about. This is what we're gonna have to do to be able to stand the storms that are gonna come. I think sometimes with habits, we think, oh, this is such a small thing, it's not gonna really matter. But habits over time form big things in our life. I wanted to read you habit. Sean Covey, he's a big leader to the leaders, CEOs, and this is what he says. Our habits will make us or break us. We become what we repeatedly do. So small, yes. Good, yes. Bad, yes. They all are who we become. So it's, it's really important for us to focus on our habits and to be sure that they are pointing us in, back in the direction that is gonna lead us to God. But if you're like me, I start off every day. It doesn't have to be the beginning of the year, every day. Oh God, be with me today. I'm gonna do exactly what you wanna do. I'm not gonna say anything negative. I'm not gonna, um, whatever it is that we start within about 20 minutes into the day, something always happens to break it. And it really frustrates us, right? Does that happen to you too? Yes, I see lots of heads. Well, we're in good company because the Apostle Paul said the same thing. In Romans 7, he says, I don't really understand myself. For what I do, for what I want to do, what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I wanna do what is right, but I can't. I wanna do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And then here's the good part. Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul is clear. The way to freedom is through Jesus. We can't muster up enough strength in ourselves on a good day 
to live a sinless life. We just can't. It all comes through Jesus and our relationship with him. So here's the good thing. When you become a Christian, when you say, hey, okay, God, I see my life. It's not what it should be. I believe what Jesus did on the cross. I believe that he died. I believe he rose three days later. He's in heaven with you. And I believe that. When you do that, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you. Jesus is spirit. We call it the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is what enables us to do the things that we can't do. So yes, that's the good news. It's Jesus. So if you have not invited Jesus into your life yet, I encourage you to do that today. Because all the things that we're talking about, you're not gonna be able to do it on your own. Paul is clear. Freedom comes with Jesus. Even, that, even with that, even those of us who are Christians in our flesh, we still struggle. And if you're like me, sometimes I get really tired. It gets weary, doesn't it? When we're, we've charted our course and we're doing everything right and we're asking God to come be with us and then something comes and knocks us down. It's a storm of life. And sometimes it's hard to dig back in to our strength that comes from Jesus. I wanna look at this verse with you, Galatians 6, 6. Don't grow weary, it says, so let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. What is that harvest of blessing for you? I don't know, but God's promised it. Don't give up, it's coming. It's coming at just the right time, exactly what you need. So just like we talked about before, God knows what that is for you. You know what your struggle is, you know what's going on in your life and you're kind of getting tired and weary. Don't give up, the blessing is coming. You hang on, God has something ahead for you. Sometimes we fall away from God because we're weary and we're tired of what we talked about and sometimes it's because we're listening to the negative voices in our head. As I talk to people a lot and they're telling me what they're thinking about themselves and I'm, I'm thinking, where did you hear that and who told you that, that you believed that? And it's really that they just don't know what God's word says. So I wanna read you a few things of what God's word says about you in case you're thinking you're not enough to do what he's called you to do, you are. Here's what he says in John 1:12. you are a child of God. John 15, 15, you are a friend of Jesus. Romans 3, 24, you are justified and redeemed. 1 Thessalonians 1, 4, God loves you and he has chosen you. You are not condemned by God if you are a Christian, Romans 8, 1. 1 Corinthians 1.30, in Christ Jesus, you have wisdom, you have righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. There's a whole list of them. I'll put those on my Facebook page for you guys. But this is who God says you are. So you're gonna have to know the positive things to withstand the negative things that are gonna come in your life. So I've been thinking, how do we do that? How do we do that every day? Because when I start talking to people, I'm saying, well, did you know this is who, God? yeah, I remember that from, a, I think it's something we gotta remind ourselves of every single day to be able to accomplish what God wants us to do. So I have a few ideas for you how to accomplish this. Number, here's one. So you guys know, you may or may not know, Shannon, Pastor Bill's daughter, Shannon Townsley. She's in one of my small groups. And when she was going through the difficult time of, 
um, her mom's illness and um, Cindy being in the hospital and ultimately her passing, she said, man, I just had to have God's word at my fingertips. So she made her and everybody in our group um, some memory cards and some scripture cards that when she was getting really bad news or when she would wake up in the middle of the night laying there and somehow when the hard times come, have you guys been there before? And a hard time that you can't even remember God's word and you don't know why. It's just gotta be something. So I want you to think about what that is for you right now. Because everybody in here, all these people, everybody online, you have something really hard you're going through with right now. So I want you to think about that and I wanna read you a few scriptures that are gonna begin to renew your mind and you'll get what we're talking about here. Zephaniah 3.17, with his love, he will calm all of your fears and he will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Matthew 5, 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Luke 12, 7, indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. John 14, 27, peace I leave with, I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So one of the girls in our group said she's hanging this on her blinker in her car and when she gets in her car in the morning, that's what she does. She pulls it out and she reads a couple of scriptures before she heads off for the day. That's one way of renewing your mind. That's one option. Maybe it's writing a verse on your mirror. I do that a lot. You can do XML marker, it'll come off because we stand at the mirror for a little bit of time in the morning getting ready, brushing our teeth, read that verse a few times. You'll know it pretty soon. Then you erase it, put a new one up. And you get to pick the verse for you, the one that speaks the most to you. Maybe it's a mantra or a pledge. This is the kind of the new thing going on right now of having something that is God's word to you, what that would look like that will encourage you. For the day, I saw a really fun one on Facebook. I wanna show you of a dad who's teaching his son through a pledge. Let's watch it together. It's just a couple of minutes. All right, we're starting our day off. Mom with our pledge. You ready, Joshua? Yes. Let's go. Today is going to be a good day. Today is going to be a good day. I thank God for waking me up today. I thank God for waking me up today. Going to school. I'm going to school so I can learn. So I can learn. Go to college. Go to college. Be the leader that God's created me. And be the leader that God has created me to be. I'll, I'll be today. 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 I'll be taught. I'll be educated. I'll be educated. I'll be educated. By my teachers. Empowered. 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 By my teachers. By my teachers. I. With the tools. With the tools. With the tools. To be successful. To be successful. Within. Within. And throughout the country. My community. Within my community. Throughout With, the country. Within my community and throughout the country. I apply myself daily. I apply myself daily. I study. I study. And I ask questions. And I ask questions when I, don't when I don't understand. When I'm confronted with a problem. When I'm confronted with a problem. Or a conflict. Or a conflict. I think. I think. Before I react. Before I react. I ignore. I ignore all negative influences. I ignore all negative influences. In the classroom. In the classroom. Throughout the school. And throughout the school day. I I, when I'm confronted. When I'm confronted with a problem. When I'm confronted with a problem. Or a conflict. Or a conflict. I think. I think. Before I react. Before I react. I ignore. I 
Ignore all negative influences. I ignore all negative influences. In the classroom. In the classroom. Throughout the school day. And throughout my school day. I'm extremely. I'm extremely proud. I'm extremely proud. To be the next generation. To be the next generation. Of Christian leaders. Of Christian leaders. I accept responsibility. I accept responsibility. And then let me say the whole thing. I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I accept responsibility and I love the challenge. I accept responsibility and I love the challenge. Let's go. You ready? Yeah. Peace. <laughs> Game time. Start your day off with something positive, man. Our kids can learn. It's our job to teach them. Let's go. The cool thing about that, that awesome, the cool thing about that is you can tell he's got some struggles in his daddy. We're going to think before we react, right? He had some good things in there. But we can do the same. You know what your struggles are and maybe where your weaknesses are and where you need to feel a little bit stronger. So you can make your pledge that will inspire you to go where God wants you to go. And I would love to hear them as you make up some. Share them with me because somebody may be in a season, just like Shannon shared hers with us, you may be in a season that God has already brought you through some things that could minister to somebody else. And and I'll be glad to post those. But just like Joshua. I challenge you to accept the, accept the responsibility and love the challenge. Because that's what this is. Character is, it's not easy and it's a challenge and we have to start our day maybe like he does. Today's gonna be a good day, right? Sometimes we get up and it's the littlest thing to say, it's gonna be a good day, God. I know you're here with me and, and we, we can put some scriptures in there that are gonna encourage us. So I can't wait to see as we get a little bit into the new year what God has taught you and how your character is growing because I know it's gonna do great things for you and for our church. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. I am just thankful for my friends who are here today, Lord. Remind each of us today and every day who you say we are. Give us strength and perseverance to renew our minds and build character that reflects you. And Lord, if there's someone here who doesn't know you personally, I pray they'll, they'll just accept you today. They'll come forward, pray with our prayer team who's gonna be down here. And this would be a great way to start 2020 with a new life in Jesus Christ. That would just be the best thing ever. And maybe some friends have walked away from you, Lord. It's been a while since they've been engaged in a relationship with you. Today's the day that they can rededicate their lives, that they can just rechart their direction and put it right back towards you because we know that you love us, you have the best for us, and we know you can do mighty things in our life. We love you. We put our trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here. Have a great new year, great 2020. We'll see you back next week. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.